0: Good morning. Good morning. Well Merry Christmas to you, Pastor Stevie. In November. I think we I think we started a little too soon. But like you said, we're both married to women who have the name Chris in their name. And if you know Spanish, Chris Mas means Chris more. So it's like Christmas. So yeah, we've been celebrating Christmas for about three weeks in our home, uh, and y'all know because I, I tell all my wife sometimes she plays Christmas music in the middle of the summertime. Like I come out, I'm out hot, and Michael Bublé is singing. I'm dreaming. I'm like I'm dreaming of just rest, yeah. right? White like Christmas. But uh, hey, if you're here for the first time, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're, you're our guest today, and we're honored that you're here, and hope that you enjoy it. You will love me or hate me by the end of this day. And that is not talking just first-timers. It's talking to everybody, if you saw my Facebook post. And so uh, sometimes I'll post something just to get a little bit of a teaser uh, because I had people come first service like, what is going to happen? Do we have a marriage wreck on the way home? You might. Because what I know is most of the time a spender marries a saver. <laughs> and what I have discovered is when a spender marries a saver, you don't. the balance doesn't equal zero, which is usually negative. Like you would think it would balance out, but it don't, right? Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about some financial stuff, everything biblically based, of course. Uh, but as we go into my wife's like, you kind of a little late because Black Friday already hit. All right. The good news is you have time to return it. All right? We're going to talk about it by the end of the day. But I want to start out with a little story. Uh, first of all, it's called, it's called it could have been worse. An old farmer went in to visit his banker. I've got bad news, he told him. I can't pay back my half million dollar loan to the bank. You remember that new tractor I bought last year? Well, it burned up and I had no insurance. It's a total loss, but it could have been worse. And the money I borrowed to buy that seed, well, those heavy rains this year, they washed it all the way, so there would not even be a harvest, so I can't even make a payment. But it could have been worse. Well, speaking of the rain, that resulted in the flood and it washed all the topsoil away from the farm, so the collateral that I had for the bank to pay the loan back, it's all gone. The land is worth nothing, but it could have been worse. The banker sat there in shock and he yelled, you can't pay the bank back. How could it have been worse? The farmer put his thumbs in his, finger, in his pants and he goes, could have been my money. <laughs> 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 right? I love that, right? <laughs> Your money's gone, I'm fine, but the money you loan me. Perspective is an interesting thing, isn't it? In our life, it seems like things could always be worse, all right? We are in our second lesson of fighting the entitlement mentality within me. Uh, So anyway, I just, I love the story. And I want to recap a little bit last week's lesson where Jesus healed 10 lepers and only one came back to say, thank you. Uh, they got what they wanted, but nine of them left and he, he, it bothered him. It bothered Jesus that what he did for them, there was no thanks in that. And, and so we have to fight this mentality. And so which this is part two, because last week would have been too long. Uh, so today we're talking about how do I battle this tendency in my life and also in the lives of other people? How do we enable people to become entitled? Um, so how do I battle this in me? here's what I know about tendencies. The problem with bad tendencies is if we don't keep them in check, they'll take over. Like we all have this tendency to be entitled. Every single one of us does, and I'll explain why. Uh, And again, we talked about last week, if we don't think we're entitled, something in us is. If I were to give you, as I said last week, this didn't happen, but if I was to give everybody hundred dollar bills on the way out today, except for you, something in you would go, well, why didn't I get one? Like you weren't anticipating it, you didn't earn it, I didn't tell you it was gonna happen, but somehow we would leave going, how come I didn't get one? Like, right? We're all like that. And if you're not, you should be preaching today because I got some stuff to work on. Every single one of us have these tendencies, all right? Uh, many of you know, if you've been here very long, that I, I battled skin cancer. I had skin cancer on my head several years ago. And, uh, and it was there for about a year. And my, my daughter, Lexi, who's a cosmetologist, she's just like, Dad, you got something on your head. And uh, she's like, you need to get that looked at. And I'm like, ah, Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you should listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? Cause she studied that type of thing. You gotta know that kind of thing on skin. And so finally I had it looked at um, and, and they said, well, it's squamous cell carcinoma. They took a, an example and they said, yeah, you have skin cancer. And I said, well, what happens if I don't deal with it? They're like, well, it could grow into your brain and kill you. Oh, oh, Says, when do we make the appointment? Like. <laughs> Right, I go from not caring to, okay, this is pretty serious. And so they scheduled the appointment. They went in and they, they cut a football-shaped you know, thing out of my head. And, uh, and as they were sewing it up, my face got tight. And, uh, and I was like, what, why does my fist feel tight? Well, they said, well, we have to squish your thing together. So I got a two-for-one. I paid for the cancer removal. I got a facelift for free. So I think as you know, financially wise, if you, if you want a facelift, just get skin cancer and they'll cover it. Because they won't just cover a facelift, right? <laughs> I say it, no, I'm joking, it's me, but here's, here's why I tell you the story. I can deny that those cancer cells are there. I can deny it. But the truth is that they still are, right? And I go in every year and get it checked and they look at it and they freeze little things off. And and, and I keep on, if I ignore it, it doesn't fix it. So we're talking today about like financial responsibility, financial irresponsibility. If I just ignore things, it doesn't fix it. So we have to deal with it, okay? Entitlement lives in us. We just have to keep it at bay. We have to deal with it, all right? So today I have the question because I know that as an audience, you have to give me permission to speak into your life. And I will tell you this, that if you listen to some of the principles I'm gonna tell you to, it will change you. It will change your life for the better. So are you willing to listen? Because I can be one of two things. I can be a politician and tell you what you wanna hear, or I can be a good pastor and tell you what you need to hear. All right. So if you want to be a politician, just go and sit on this side. Uh, You can move right now. But I would rather be a good pastor than a politician. All right. And again, let's just get this out of the way. Some of you will be offended about some of the things I say today. You will be. It'll offend you. But just like having bad breath or body odor, sometimes you need to be offended for there to be a change. Okay. Because we can affect other people. So sometimes we need to hear this truth. All right. So we're in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 1 through 13. uh, there's a story here about another man who gets healed, and I wanted to use this story. I mean, we we could go a lot of different ways with this, but I want to talk more about his response to what happened rather than actually what happened. Um, and so here's here's the story. So sometimes later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda or Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonists. So I want you to picture five big columns with roofs on them. There's five of them around this pool, and the pool is, is down. You've got to go downstairs to get to it. Some of you may have seen pictures of it before. Um, if you Google it, not now, after church, be responsible, okay? All right, you've got to listen to this your phone. All right, and, and, and here was the story. Here, a great number of disabled people used to to lie, okay? The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And and what your Bible may or may not say, okay, some manuscripts say it, some don't, but the story is, historically, this is what happened. Um, An angel, this is trippy, an angel would trouble the water. So there's this pool, it's all calm. And and at times during the year, an angel would would mess with the water. and, And when you got into the pool, if you were the first one in, you got healed, but it was only a one and done. It was the first person in the pool would get healed whenever the angel troubled the waters. And there was no timetable. There was not a clock. Okay, it just happened. And that's why the scene is what it is. You have all these crippled people around waiting for the pool to be disturbed so the first one in could, could get healed. So that's, that's the story here. So Jesus is walking through this place and he's looking around and there is a ton of people. I mean, it says there was a lot of people everywhere. The interesting thing is he picks out one guy. He just picks out one, all right? He doesn't heal everybody. He picks out one guy, focuses in on this guy, and he must have been asking him some questions. I said, One who was there, this man, had been an invalid for 38 years. In other words, they feel he was a paraplegic, okay? For 38 years, he couldn't walk. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him this question He said, Do you want to get well? Sir, the man replied, I have no way or no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, don't you think after 38 years that some guy would feel sorry for Fred, who can't walk, and he's like, dude, yeah, okay, man, let's just get Fred in this time. Like he's been waiting for 38 years to be healed. Nobody jump in, but it sounds great in theory until the water gets stirred right? Like you're all generous until I pull out a wad of hundred dollar bills and I'm going to throw it. It's bound. It's not going to fly. Gonna, it, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw it. And you're all like, is he? No, I'm not going to. This is a theory, right? And I have this and I'm going to chuck it out. And I'm looking in the crowd because I've seen y'all at sporting events where they throw out a stupid sock or some towel you're all like, ah, you know, uh, we all want what's being thrown. And if I had a stack of hundreds and I was like, all right, who wants it? You'd go crazy. And if I went through this, you, you, everybody would go oh, like oh. and, and there might even cause a fight, which would cause a church split, which would be crazy, right? <laughs> but, but, but you would reach your hands Not one person in this room, or maybe a few, all right, might go, you know, everybody back off because Pastor Chase needs it the most. So just preach, yeah? okay, just, <laughs> let, just let back off. Now, if I did that, everybody would be, or most of you, your hands would go up, right? Because that's the natural thing. See, we have this tendency in us to want what's being given. And, and this guy here is like, I, I, I want, you know, he didn't say, he never answered the question for one thing. Jesus said, do you want to get well? That is a yes or no question. How often do we answer God without a yes or no question? God says, do this. And we're like, well, we try to find a different way. And so this guy's like, well, no one will help me into it. Jesus knew he wanted to be healed. That's why he was there. That's why everybody was there. And why Jesus didn't heal everybody, I don't know. Just Jesus picked out this one guy. You want to get well? Well, well, nobody will help me. See, he's relying on somebody else for a healing that could have been available without getting into the pool. He didn't know that, and so he has this thing. He's been an invalid for thirty-eight years, meaning that somebody else has helped him live. Somebody has fed him. Somebody has brought him to this spot with his back. He he might have drugged himself, but you know he had friends that took care of his knees. He relied on other people for existence. And all of a sudden, Jesus asks this question, do you want to get well? And he's like, well, I I want to. He didn't even say that. He just like, no one will help me into the pool. Sometimes we're looking for other people to help us into the pool when we should be crawling there on our own. Now here's the deal. This guy, if it had been me, maybe I'd have slept next to the pool and hope that you didn't have a dream and fall in. Like, like you know, but, but he, he's trying to get down and I can picture everybody just talking, everybody milling around or sitting there, whatever they're doing. And all of a sudden the water gets stirred. You imagine the frenzy? I mean, this guy has probably been in the pool like 36 times because maybe there was some healing left over, right? But only the first person in got into it and everybody's like generous until it's their turn to get into the pool. And, and it's, it's not fair for a, a crippled guy that can't walk to try to beat everybody else in the pool, right? You can see some blind guy running down and just jumping and hoping that there was water under him when he landed, right? <laughs> it, this is real stuff. I mean, you to think about this, right? They're like, Wah! everybody's jumping in the pool and only one dude gets healed, okay? Because I can tell you there's a ton of people in the pool afterwards, right? Bath time, um, you know? So anyhow, the angel did this. And then Jesus, here's his explanation. And he says to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. He doesn't say, go get in the pool. He just says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And 38 years of atrophy in the legs was healed in a moment. And once Jesus was cured, he picked up his mat. I'm sorry. At once he was cured, not Jesus. I said that wrong. Okay. And once he was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Okay. And the day, on this, which took, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. That's why Jesus got sick of religious people. Okay, he was all about the law and doing that. And, but he replied, well, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now this is the first recorded healing in the book of John. So it may have been that Jesus hadn't, okay, he did the, 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 the wine, made the wine, at the wedding with Cana, Then he healed another guy's son. This is the first in the book of John, the recorded healing. So Jesus's name hadn't been passed around a lot as a person that healed. So this guy really didn't know who he was. He was kind of at the beginning of his ministry. So it's probably an invalid question. He's like, I don't know who it was. Some guy just told me to do it and I did it. And now I'm healed. And they got mad at him for carrying his walk. Religious people will always point out that one thing that you're doing or not doing. Okay, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. So let's stop right there. Nobody will help me get into the water. There are times when you need people's help. There's other times you need to do it yourself. Okay, we can't be counting on everybody to get us into the water. We have to make our own way sometimes. The strange story and then bothers me is it's missing some details, okay? Because here's what I didn't tell you. I'm gonna read two more verses and you're gonna learn a little bit more about the story and where we're going. I kept them out on purpose. It says, later, Jesus found him at the temple. That's a good place, right? You get healed, you go to the temple. That's a good place to be, kind of like going to church, he's there. And he said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And I'm like, what's this dude doing at church? Like, what is he doing that it's a sin? What is he doing that Jesus goes, hey, knock it off. Quit sinning. Wouldn't that be embarrassing for me if I knew what you were up to? (laughs) If like during worship time, I knew what your thoughts were and I just called you out. Like, hey, Bobby Joe Billy, I'll call you that so I don't make anybody feel uncomfortable if I actually didn't. Bobby Joe Billy. "What, What were you thinking about that woman standing in front of you? You'd be like, what? And I was right. Wouldn't that be uncomfortable? Everybody got really quiet. Like, no, I don't have that gift, praise Jesus, that I don't know what you're thinking. But I know I've had thoughts that weren't the best in church. You're like, whoa, that's why the Bible says take captive every thought. Not every thought comes from you. The devil messes with you. That's how he messes with your mind, all right? So don't take it personal if you have this bad thought. The devil throws things into your brain. It's not always your fault, all right? And and this guy's sinning, he's doing something wrong. He's in the right place, but he's got the wrong behavior enough that Jesus actually calls him out on it. Stop sinning, he said. And here's what I know, is that getting what you want doesn't create happiness and it doesn't create a thankfulness. See, he got what he wanted. He wanted for 38 years to be better. And Jesus gave him what he wanted, but not one time does it say, and the man went and found Jesus and thanked him profusely like the one guy did last week what he did was he used his healing to actually act on what he had already been thinking. Like whatever sinful mind he had, it wasn't like he just became a sinner. Now he had legs to do it with. And that is not why Jesus healed him. Jesus did not give him legs to go sin even more. See, when Jesus gives you something, when he delivers you for something, he needs you to change your behavior. Now, it's a process. Every single one, we're all still in a process. And no matter how long you've served God, we all still fight sinful tendencies. Every single one of us, right? It's a battle continually. Now, we should battle less and less, okay? Because you can get over things. Don't ever think that you can't get over an addiction, guys. Amen. Because you can, you can. It's a battle, but you can. You can get over stuff. Um, and, and you can just say, you know what? God delivered from that and I'm moving on. And some things aren't even a temptation. or Some things you will fight to the day you die. That's called being human. It's called being human, right? We have these tendencies. So just the thing is, is just keep fighting. But getting what you want does not create happiness. It's like trying to fill up a tub without putting the plug in it. See, Jesus is the plug, right? Because you can fill your life up with all kinds of things, but if, if, if it's going out, it's not gonna fill up. Jesus wants to, to plug some things up so that we can have those things in life that, that God wants us to have so we can use them for his glory. Now, what we don't see is this guy with his legs going around preaching Jesus, going around saying, Hey, there was a guy, I don't know his name, but for 38 years, I couldn't walk. Now I can. We need to find out who this guy is. But somehow he was in the temple and he was doing something wrong. And Jesus calls him a still, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask this guy and be like, Fred, Fred, what were you doing, bro? Like what were you doing at church? If you're, if there's a Fred here, I'm sorry, but I try to pick out a random name. And if your name is Fred, maybe God's speaking to you through me. Uh, So stop sitting, Fred. I got you laughing, so that's good. All right. We have this idea that if I only get this, then life will be different. But God, again, did not heal this guy so he could go live how he wanted. Okay. It appears the physical healing didn't change the spiritual sin issue. Sometimes we're asking for something, but God wants to know where our heart is at. So at face value, as I read this, it appears to me he's a little bit entitled. And he did live off of others for 38 years. Okay, which will create the sort of an entitlement mentality. Uh, and that's why I will say this, and this might be controversial, but, but with welfare, okay. Welfare was designed to get you through a hard time, not keep you there. Amen. Okay, that, that, that's what it was intended for. Was, you, everybody has a hard time in life, well, is there to to help you through it, but not to live off of permanently. That's what it's there, I believe it. I mean, we pay our government assistance in and, and we should, when there's times of need, Medicare, whatever it is that we paid it into, it's okay to do that. Okay, it's a good system if it's not abused. Unfortunately, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm gonna get paid and I'm just gonna live and not work. Well, that's, that's bad for the economy, it's bad for our country, we see the effects of it now. It's, there's a lot of jobs, people just aren't willing to work. So if you have a teenager, make them work, all right? If you have kids, make them work. We're gonna get there in a minute, all right? So here's this, all right? What begins as a gift can become an expectation. What begins as a gift can become an expectation. We have to fight this tendency in ourselves. So the first three things I want to talk about right now is dealing with it in me, all right? How do I fight the entitlement mentality? And there's three things that we got to deal with ourselves on a personal level because I believe that we should deal with me first before I deal with you. I should be dealing with my own issues before I point out yours because we're really good at doing the opposite, aren't we? Yeah, yeah I think decent enough amen to move on at least from the center section, okay? Not center section, center <laughs> section, just so, so I want to clarify that. I gotta deal with me. Number one, okay, I gotta acknowledge that it lives in me. Okay, just like my skin cancer, I acknowledge that it's still there. That's why I go get checkups, right? I gotta acknowledge that entitlement lives in me. At least the seed of it does. You have to be honest with yourself. Ungratefulness lives in us. It just does, okay? All the way from Eve till now. Here's why I believe that we should acknowledge it is because you will not fight an enemy that you deny exists, Okay, if it's in me, then I will fight. You won't deny, fight an enemy that you deny exists, all right? Number two, okay, recognize it when you are unthankful. Recognize it. How does it reveal itself? Well, typically complaining, not being happy with what you already have, having a negative attitude consistently. I have nothing to eat. I have nothing to wear. And and maybe some of you said that this morning, but I will tell you something. Okay, I told you last week that when I went to Haiti, went to orphanages, if you brought those orphanage kids, orphan kids to your home, they would say you have plenty to wear and you have plenty to eat. So, okay, it's it's all relative to how we think. Okay, they would have a different perspective than you. And that's the truth. Number three. Call yourself out on it when you do it, all right? When that thing sticks its ugly head up and you feel being like, okay, I got ripped off or I'm unthankful, just deal with it. Tell your mind to shut up sometimes, okay. You can even say it out loud to yourself as long as nobody's too close to you. Can you imagine that? Shut up, what? I was talking to myself, okay, just talking to myself. Here's what advertising does. Advertising appeals to your feeling of lack, okay? Advertising appeals to your feeling of lack. You didn't know that you needed something until you saw it on TV, all right. well, Chris and I started watching the Beverly Hillbillies recently. All right, uh, That's like our 26-minute 26, 26 show at night. And and th- something came up the other day. It was a Winston cigarette commercial. like It's sponsored by Winston. And he, they made it illegal a long time ago, or the, the commercials anyway. And, and it shows Granny smoking her pipe, and she sticks a cigarette in it. And, and Jed's going, how's that taste? He's like, that's pretty good. And then, then he goes, well, try it this way. He pulls the cigarette out and sticks it directly in your mouth. She's like, that tastes even better. All right? and, and we're going a cigarette commercial. All right? You had doctors in the 50s right, saying, this is what kind of cigarette I smoke. Right? Now we're going doctors going, yeah, that's kind of bad for you. So when things were preached as being okay, it was because they didn't have enough data to know what it was doing to people. It was giving people lung cancer, okay? So, so the shifting can change a little bit. So I, I wanna be careful with what you were taught growing up, how things, how things were, I guess, either told you or modeled for you that maybe the way you were taught growing up isn't the right way, okay? Now, I grew up in a family where, where they taught us very good money management, Like right? My dad just taught us these little things, simple things, like if you want more money, In the bank, spend less than you're making. Simple little things as kids that he put into our minds on how to save money, how to be wise with our money. My parents taught me generosity, all right? They taught us a lot of things on how to do things. And so I'm here kind of like your dad today. And maybe your dad didn't teach you good money manager skills, so I get to be that. I'm probably nicer than your dad. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) All right, I meant shorter. Yeah, that works, yeah, not as good looking. Hey, that works. (laughs) <laughs> Can I pause just for a second? Yeah. You know what a side is? A side is I took acting when I was in high school. It probably helped me in my preaching when I didn't even know I was a preacher yet. But, uh, so an aside is when you're going and then you stop and you give a little bit of extra information. So Chris and I were watching this Hallmark the other day and it actually has John Schneider in it who was Beau Duke. He's the actor in it. And, and the song that, that, you know, they're in it's Reba McIntyre. They're split up. They've been split up for 15 years or something. And they sing this song. It must have been the mistletoe. It must have been the mistletoe. I looked at my wife. I said, you like this. I said, it must have been the missing toe. (laughs) I did get her. It was a, I said, I am funny when I'm not preaching sometimes, right? So that's the estate. Let's get back to serious. Uh, If you don't know, I'm missing my little toe on my left foot. I was born without it, but I lie, and I say it alligator butt off when I was saving my wife. Um, I was just born without it. So it's a, it's a sort of joke. It used to be my show and tell thing at school, like literally, only there was nothing show, there was nothing to tell. It's was like, it's, it's gone. If you can't laugh at yourself in life, all right, here's a note, man. We get new bodies. It's all right. Okay, we all get new bodies. It's all gonna be good. Looking forward to that. So, right, so the next time you hear that song, if it brings you to laugh, then it's at my expense. I'm all good with that. All right, call yourself out on when you do it. All right, now we get to deal with it in other people. Now that we've dealt with ourselves, okay, the next statement, will deal with this. Dealing with it in other people. We're either fighting the entitlement mentality or we're feeding it. We're fighting it or we're feeding it. When we're raising kids or we have a staff or somebody that's under us, we have employees under us, we're either fighting the mentality or we're feeding the mentality. Now, most of this has to do with our families, like how we raise our kids or maybe our grandkids. How do we deal with that, right? Uh, when we were coming back from kids camp a lot of years ago, I had a, a group of, of kids in my truck and we were coming back from a call and we came up on a fire uh, burning up a cement truck or it was on fire. And you know, we all like fires, black smoke. And, and so I saw it and I saw the driver who was a younger guy. He was standing next to the truck in the grass. Okay, as you're going out of Eagle, there's the grass and he's just talking on his phone. And so I get out of the truck and I'm, my pickup and I'm, I'm like, you know, there's flames coming out and he's just talking to his friend like given a play-by-play. Oh yeah, now this is burning. I'm like, dude, like, is there any tools in that truck? He's like, what? I said, is there any tools in that truck? He's like, yeah. I said, well, let's get them out. Like the truck is going, going to go up in flames. We may as well save something. And I'm like, cause my dad owned the company or in a company, logging company. So there was like the stuff in the equipment that somebody paid for, to get the tools out. So i have opened the door. I don't care who this guy is, whose truck it is. Okay. I mean, I care whose truck it is. I'm just I just take charge, man. I'm like, right. all right. And I'm throwing tools like out of the way because I'm like, if the truck's going to burn, we may as well save something. And the guy's like, oh, I never thought about that. I'm like, well, maybe you should get a different job, um, right. you know, where you don't have to care about people's stuff Work for the government. Um, <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so we're doing, it. and then I thought, you know what? I have a fire extinguisher because he used the little itty-bitty one, okay? And I had a big one in my pickup. And, and so I'm keeping the fire at bay. I can hear the fire trucks coming, and, and it's burning, and I'm keeping it at bay. I'm just, just spot shooting it because I know I don't want to run out. And I kept it at bay enough that it didn't hardly do any damage, okay, to the fire trucks that got there. And I know they were mad at me. Like, firemen are pyros, Like they wanted huge flames and here you guys this little punk that's keeping his little, you know, but my whole thing was if I can keep it at bay, I can't put it all the way out because it's it's an oil fire, but I can keep it at bay long enough until the professionals get there and save this guy's truck. I'm completely thinking about somebody owns this truck, somebody's going to have a deductible, somebody's paid a lot of money for this truck. If I can keep it at bay, I can save something. And a lot of times I think in our lives we can't always put the fire out, but we can keep it at bay. And that's with entitlement. It's like we can just keep shooting on it, keep, keep it at bay, keep it a bay, keep it at bay, and let Jesus take care of the rest, because Jesus is the ultimate fireman. He saved my hiney head of hell, Amen. right? That, that's really the truth. All right. How have we created entitled, an entitled generation, also known as Raising Monsters? <laughs> I could title my, my, my message this. Okay, once again, glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Number one, we have given our kids things they should be earning. You've heard me say this before. Too many parents have this idea that they don't want their kids to have to go through what they went through. Why? Because the way I went through was hard. And I've told you many times, but the hard is what made you who you are. Yeah. Right? You don't go into a, a gym and, and take all the weights off and say, hey, you know, I know you're trying to get stronger, but just do it with the barbell. Okay? <laughs> now, some of us, that barbell might be enough, right? But with Pastor Stevie, he's putting more weights on there, right? And, and so we don't remove the tension or remove the problems to make somebody stronger. The problems create strength, so the hard stuff that you went through is what made you. Okay, it made the work ethic that you have. What you went through made you right. In our first and third church ministry positions, um, it included janitor work. Our first church was in Boise back in boy, the early '90s, and uh, church wasn't that big. About had 150 people in it um, on a good day. But I was the kids pastor, the youth pastor, the associate pastor, the janitor, uh, and I had a good guy to work for, and and he taught me a lot of stuff. But I did all kinds of things, the maintenance, the landscaping, I mean, whatever it is that needed to be done, I was kind of the guy, but I also cleaned the building, right, because I was making $1,000 a month, that's big money with a college degree. All right. Um, and, and it was rough, and Chris had to, had to work, but we made it through. We had two kids. Um, and then our second position was in Washington, and then we went to our third position. And again, we weren't paid enough to live. Okay, this was in, in California, Marysville area. Actually, it was in Marysville. Anybody ever heard of Olivehurst, California? Yeah. Oh, got some, uh, yeah, enough there, all right? Um, You know you're in a bad place when you go to church in the morning, you hear a stick of dynamite go off in the neighborhood. (laughs) That's what happened. It was a retaliation to a bad drug deal. Some guy put a stick of dynamite out the guy's window and lit it, and it blew the roof off. It was amazing, and I got to hear it. Yeah, I had to go check it out after church. All right. And, and so there, I didn't get quite paid enough for rent and car. And, and so I cleaned the the building, which was a Christian school too. It was a gymnasium, K through 12. Um, you know, and it was a pretty good sized church. And I, I cleaned the building three days a week. All the teachers loved me because I cleaned their backboards really good. Uh, but it was a lot of work. Okay. Very, 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 very tough thing. But it wasn't ideal, but it was necessary. Okay. Now what you may not know is my wife and I had 150 kids in our youth group. It wasn't just like a youth group of 10 kids. This was a very large group who loved to come to our house every night of the week and eat our food. All right. So I'd clean the Christian school I'd get home and I'd be like, Oh, there's a part. It it wasn't ideal, but it was necessary. And there are times in life that to get done what God calls us to do, we got to do what's necessary. Even though we think, you know, I shouldn't have to be doing this. We need to be willing to do it. Okay, and it's usually a temporary thing, all right? And it was temporary, and then we came up here. Um, And and I'll still clean up after y'all sometimes. But that's okay, right? It's it's not always ideal, but it's necessary. But the hard stuff, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. Why? Because it makes you what you are. But we've given our kids a lot of things they should be earning. Number two, recognize where you're feeding this in your kids or those under your leadership, okay? Recognize where you're feeding it. Often, you're not helping, you're enabling, it is, Pastor. I'm gonna to have to ask you again to kick that AC on, man. It's it's warm in here. I'm sorry. It's like we'll fig we'll get that figured out. We're gonna set it to 55 next Sunday. There you go. Yeah, wow. All the ladies are like, wow. The guys are like, yeah. See what I have to pastor two different, totally different perspectives. And you're married, all right. Often you're not helping. You're enabling. Okay. It's it's not that your heart or your motive is in the wrong place. And so here's where I want to, um, as we get into some of the harder things that I could ruffle your feathers, okay? You have to understand that I'm not questioning your motive here. Your motive is to be a blessing. Your motive is to bless your kids and to to bless your employees or whoever it is that you're over. We're not questioning motive, but what we are talking about is results. You might have the right motive, but the results might be bad. You might have the right motive to be a blessing and and to to be loving and kind and, and giving, but you could be enabling at the same time. Yeah, you can't just do everything for your kids and expect them to grow up to be hard workers. it doesn't work that way. So entitlement may not be the intended result, but it's the result and then we have to deal with it, okay? Again, removing resistance does not make you stronger. So what happens when spender marries saver? (laughs) Yeah, fireworks. This is part of my post last night, okay? Spender marries saver. More often than not, that's what happens. Like they say opposites attract, and then Andy says, and then opposites attack, right? This is how it works, right? Spender, Mary Saber. What happens, and as we go into Christmas, this is where the sparks are gonna start flying. There's a lot of saber rattling here. There's a lot of uncomfortableness here. And here's the good news, I get to talk about it, and secretly inside, you're gonna be like, amen or oh me, (laughs) okay? And you're gonna be Googling other churches in CUNA, right? Here's where some of you won't like me. All right, let's talk about gifts. Now, who, who's a gift person? Whose who's love language is gifts? Just raise your hand up. Usually, Chris has both hands. <laughs> She's not praising Jesus. She's just being honest, like, Alleluia. all right. My wife is, a, is the gift. I'm the, I'm the act of or acts of service and physical touch, all right? So all she got to do is, is vacuum the, the thing and touch me on the way to the bed, whatever. I'm going to on the way to the bedroom, but you could have got wrong intentions about. hey, I'll say it, man. I'm Mary. Okay. All right. We all have children, so figure it out. All right. So when she touches me, even if it's a touch on the shoulder, if it's a handheld, okay, I feel loved. Like, as my dad would say, all things are right in the world. Like, but if she walks by and does it, like the other day, she ghosted me. Like I held my hand out and she just walked right by it. And I was like, whoa. next time I have a hundred dollar bill, I'm going to see if she notices it right there. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes you got to bribe them. Right. And, and so she, she was just thinking about something else. It wasn't, she was ignoring me because she came back. All right. But what happens if your love language is gifts? Mine is not. That is the lowest thing on my totem pole. Like there's five main love languages, gifts. I, not that I don't like them, but that's just not my thing. Right? I enjoy giving. I enjoy receiving it sometimes. Uh, but but it's got to have, to me, it's got to have a purpose. Like I don't like a gift just because. Like something that's, It's got to be like a gun or a tool or something I can use. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just saying, right? So... <laughs> some of you are like, who is this guy? <laughs> Something useful. Let's just say it that way. But if you're a gift person, this is probably going to hit you a little bit harder than if you're not a gift person. We all, we all cool? Okay, y'all got real silent on me there. All right. Let me say this. Okay, here's, here's, we're going to start this out just straight up. Going into debt to buy presents you can't afford is irresponsible just is, okay? It's irresponsible. It's not buying presents, okay? Pastor said buying presents. No, no, no. Going into what? Debt too. If you can't afford it and you're buying it, it's irresponsible. Just is, right? You're writing checks. Like if you get older and you go play football, you're writing checks your body can't cash. You've heard that. Going into debt to buy presents you can't afford is irresponsible. If you have to use a credit card to buy a present because you think it will make your kids happy, it won't. It won't make them happy, right? And I've come to this conclusion, this is just my opinion here, that it's not really about your kids, it's more about you. Because it's not like your kids lack anything. It's about us, and here's where it gets kind of real, it's about us feeling better about ourselves as a parent. Well, I'm a better parent because I gave them a gift because that's what the world has taught you. We gotta unlearn some things. Doctor going, hey, cigarettes are great, you know, Jed and Jed Clampett, you know. Uh, hey, you should smoke Winston's, they're the best, okay. Now they're going like, you shouldn't smoke at all, because, because we have to change our thinking. So the world has taught you that if you give stuff, it makes you a good parent. The, the more money you spend on the gift, the, the more you love them. That's what the world has preached at for a long time, and that's just not true, all right. It's a fear that our kids will think less of us because we didn't get them what they wanted. See, it may be guilt-driven, I've heard this a lot. I feel guilty for not getting them anything or getting them what they want. Now, again, I'm not telling you don't buy gifts. What I'm saying is on Monday, which is tomorrow, you probably should return some of that stuff you put on credit and you can tell your kids, pastor told me to, gotta be obedient. You can blame it all on me. Okay. So before you tire and feather me, let's ask a couple questions here. All right. I I feel guilty for not getting them anything. Well, maybe you should feel guilty that you didn't cut back on your spending this last year and didn't save money for a Christmas budget. I'm standing on your friend and I love you, okay? Some of this is hard to accept. Some of this is hard to accept because we have these habits and patterns that, that giving, okay, equals love, but giving in debt does not equal love. It's not equal to love, all right? Okay, love is, is because we have this weird definition of what love is, okay? I call it irresponsible spending, spending money that you don't have to buy a gift for somebody who probably won't even appreciate it anyway. Okay? So we have to change our thinking on how to do this. Now, you might be offended at some of the things I'm gonna say, but here's the deal. If you put it into practice, it's gonna set you free because I'm gonna teach you how to say no and not feel guilty about it, okay? Let's say you have a lot of friends. We didn't cover this in first service. You have a lot of friends and you get invited to a lot of birthday parties, Right, you have popular kids and your kids are getting invited to all these birthday parties. What do you do with that? Like, because you, you're going, okay, well, I'm obligated to buy a present, right? So here's, here's, listen to me, here's what you do. You set a budget. You have a monthly budget of X amount of dollars that to spend on birthday gifts, okay? Whatever that budget is, you budget it out. Say, so, okay, we can afford this, all right? When somebody invites you and you've, you've you've hit that budget, you you don't have any more budget and you can just tell them, We'll come, but just so you know, we have our, our present budget. We hit it this month already, so I can't bring a gift, okay? Or I'll bring you you know, $5 worth of Pop Rocks from the dollar store, which apparently everything's $1.25 now, I heard. Um, so, so anyhow, so go to the dollar store, buy a couple, of, but if you let the other people know, hey, we hit our budget, so we can't bring a gift. Okay, or it, it better stay in, instead of saying no and hurting feelings, because y'all get invited to a birthday, but you feel in, like obligated, right? Unless you're not a gift giver, you're like my presence is enough. Um, <laughs> my presence, not presents, all right? Well, I'm showing up is good enough, right? But but some of you you're, you're buying out of guilt. But a budget will set you free. Yeah. A budget will say, okay, I, we we've done spent the money for Christmas, gifts. We'll show up, but our budget's our budget. Does that help anybody? All right, because a budget helps you say no without feeling guilty about it. So that's what that's one of the things that a budget will do is helps you say no without feeling guilty about it. So, all right let's look at this question back to your kids. Let me ask this question. Do your kids lack necessities? Okay. Do they have food? Okay. Do they have water? Do they have shelter? Do they have clothing? Okay. Those four things, Idaho state statute, you have to provide four things for your kids. Okay. Four things. It doesn't say what you might throw them a loaf of bread and a bottle of water and say, that's it. I'm following the code. And you got a house, okay? The house might be the dog house. It might be the garage. It doesn't even have to say, it has to be a heated place or air conditioned place. All right? Food, shelter, water, clothing There's the four things that you are required so you can sit your kid down and talk about all the things that are not required by Idaho that you can take away. So if your kid's kind of like, whoa, like that, then you're making progress, all right? So here's my question. Have you provided water, shelter, food, clothing, love and encouragement to your kids? Yes or no? Okay, Yes or no? Okay. You're a better parent than you think. You're a way better parent than they think. Because you provided the necessities, right? We we provide the necessities. So here's what I know. Okay. If I were to visit your house and look at what they have in their rooms, if I go to their bedroom, would I see a lack of previous gifts? Mm -hmm. So if I was to walk into the door of your kids' room... And I was to step over the clothes and the toys and all the things that, that you bought last year. Would I say they lack? I would be like, no, this is all kinds of stuff. You bought them probably or that they have. They are fine, they are playing, they don't need any presents. They don't need anything else because they got everything already, okay? Here's what I know is if your kids are not happy with what you gave them last year, they will not stay happy with what you give them this year. Right? Ask your kids, what did you get for Christmas last year? I bet you they can't, they can't remember what they got. I can't remember everything I got, but I'm 50 now. I can't remember what happened last week. All right, so there's some excuse. When is the last time they thanked you for paying their cell phone bill? When is the last time your kid thanked you for paying the, the, the water bill or the electric bill so they can have hot water or the gas bill, okay? Depending on how you heat your water. When's the last time they thanked you for things that they are so used to getting because we just give them, right? And as kids, they don't quite grasp that yet, but as they get older and they move up, they realize it is way cheaper to live at home than it is on my own. okay? That's why they call them boomerangers. Some of you heard that, they call it boomer, there was a boomer generation, now there's a boomeranger, they come back, right? That's just the way it is, it's a, it's a thing, okay? If you hear more complaining about what they don't have than things that they do have, we are raising entitled children, okay? Because we've created this thing where we think they owe. When Chris and I were youth pastors at the first church. We, when Micron came out with desktop computers, we bought a 486. 486 computer. And I didn't share this first, first story because I had too much and not enough time. So we bought this computer. Well, why do we need it? Well, graphics, you know, you know uh, instead of a typewriter, you can use word processing now. So we, we spent 1200 bucks. I, I was making $1,000 a month at the church. I didn't seek counsel. Sorry, Dad. I learned on my own. Okay. We went and we bought this computer. I remember having it set up in my office. And then I, 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 reality hit me. $1,200. Like we paid like 6000 for our first brand new car. We have a Geo Metro. It was like upscale. Um, yeah, 45 miles a gallon. And, and, I, and we had this, there was a return time, like five days that you could return the computer. And we got to thinking about it. We thought, this, is, this was not good. Like we made, this is a bad financial decision. You know, word processor shouldn't cost you 1,200 bucks back then, that was a lot of money. And, and again, that was more than my salary per month. And, and so we took it back and true story, took it back and they said, reason for return. And I wrote down lack of wisdom. I wrote that down, lack of wisdom. And they accepted it, okay? It was lack of wisdom. I made a purchase and fortunately, okay, I could return it. Now, let me tell you the, the, the stuff that you just bought on credit The return window is still there, okay? You can return the things that you put on credit, okay? Lack of wisdom. So budget money for gifts and you won't feel guilty buying a gift. So if you don't have the funds this year for extravagant gifts, have a family meeting, okay? Let them know where you are financially. This is just basic information. Get them together, say guys, they will not be irreparably emotionally damaged if you do this. To sit them down and say, "We're just hey, money is really tight, kids. So what can we do to make this Christmas special? You know, I can't buy you this latest greatest thing, whatever it is. Um, you know, what, what what is it that we can do that will make Christmas good? Okay. Now, here's another question. Um, no, actually, I'll get to that in just a moment. All right, I, I got ahead of myself. If they understand and they're cool with it, you're doing good raising them. If you explain it in a way that they can understand, and they're like, okay, yeah, no, we understand this. is cool. If they flip out, they're showing signs of entitlement and they shouldn't get anything anyway. That's why I told you to bring your kids today, all right? Here's a question. You know how to get them to appreciate next year's gift? Don't get them one this year, all (laughs) right? You set it up, man. I'll, I'll tell you, some of you writing that down. Okay, I'll say it again. You know how to get them to appreciate next year's gift. Don't buy them one this year, okay? Now, right now, again, I might be freaking some of you out. To others, I'm setting you free. In the 70s, when credit card, MasterCard, came out with the MasterCard, okay, here's what credit cards did. They, they enabled you to give what you couldn't afford. But you always pay interest, right? And you always pay a lot more for it. So, so back, 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 back back before, before the invention of invest- credit cards, there really wasn't that much of a problem. And now I'm referring to consumer debt here. Okay, if you have a credit card, you're fine if you pay it off. Okay, if you don't, you pay a lot of interest. Chris and I, we have one. We use it for airline miles we, you know, when we fly. Um, ours gets paid off every month. We don't carry a balance on it. Okay, but consumer debt is buying things that you don't need and then paying a lot more for it. So now that several of you hate me, let's get on to number three. <laughs> don't do for them what they should be doing for themselves. Yeah. Okay, we think this is basic, but we're doing it. Cleaning their rooms, chores. Okay, they complain about taking the garbage out. We just quit feeding them for a while. Yeah. Take away their phone, take away some sort of privileges. Um, You can tell them because you can't force a kid to take the trash out. You can't physically force him to grab it, right? But you can manipulate something fierce. And that is, okay, you don't have to take the trash out, but I get your phone, okay? You're walking to school and, or I'll drop you off to school in a minivan. My son still is traumatically scarred from getting, and he's watching, uh, from getting dropped off to school in a minivan. But I will tell you this, it was better than walking. Yeah. And I liked my minivan, right? All leather seats, had, had even had TVs in the back, all right? Uh, it was a good minivan. But there was something about the minivan. So there's certain things you can do, okay, to get your kids to do what you want, all right? And that's not bad parenting. It's good parenting. That's called life because if you get a real job and you don't do what your boss says to do, typically you get fired. Amen. Unless you work for certain agencies, then you keep your job, but whatever, all right? Number four, don't give in to keeping up, okay? Other kids have iPhones, okay? Because your kids will try to guilt trip you. Other kids have iPhones, right? And, and, and Yeah, you know, like and? Because they'll try to guilt you into getting them something, right? When's the last time your kid asked for a phone, but they said, but I'm willing to pay for it. Can I get a phone, but I'll buy it and I'll pay for it. Probably not very often. Yeah. Or you could do this trick, you could tell your kid, okay, hey, we're gonna get you a phone for Christmas. Okay. Now we have to give it to like two-year-olds because every four-year-old has one. And you say, man, We'll get you a phone for Christmas. We're gonna get you a phone, we're we'll gonna get you a phone. And then you wrap up one of these bad boys. Right. This sucker still works, man, remember this? This is the latest and new technology. It's got a keyboard, right? Government can't track you on this, buddy, all right? Yeah, I still have this, and I still keep it charged up just in case. Mom, that's a picture of you with that big buck on there, just so you know, right? Uh, the picture quality is terrible, but the good news is everybody looks good because you can't see their face. So, um, <laughs> But you give them one of these, okay, when they're expecting an iPhone, and you get, and they get this. Okay, again, disappointment. disappointment. My son's first shotgun, when we bought it, we, I actually, he, he had this idea of what he was getting, so we bought him a shotgun. It was in a box, and it was shaped, and he knew what it was. Class, man. He was like, yeah, I know what it was. And, and, and he opens it up, and he pulls out a broom. <laughs> was, I replaced it, all right, just to see his reaction, all right? And when he went ballistic with the room and beat everything in the house, I didn't give him the shotgun, Amen. which is a complete lie. That's not what happened. But He's responsible, right? But just that's what kind of dad I am. I'll mess with you. I'll mess with you, right? And he pulled it out and it was a broom. He was like, dashed his hopes. But I think it made the shotgun a little bit better. But I later gave it to him when he was like 20. No, was messing with him. No, it was a good thing. All right. Don't give in to keeping up. That's, that's, that's something that we will all fight, okay? Like I said, um, I really feel that often, not always, okay? hear me here, often that the gift given is more about you than it is about what you give your kid. We, we kind of make it about us. Like, well, I'm a better parent if I give better gifts. That's not always the case, all right? It may be the fear of what others think about you. Okay. We, we fight this thing sometimes, right? We, we, we're afraid of other people. The Bible says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. All right? We can't be afraid of our kids to give them what they want because we're afraid of what they... Listen, Guy, you're the parent. You are not equals, okay? <laughs> this is not... Your home is not a democracy, It's a dictatorship, baby. Like you are the dictator. You dictate what's going to happen. And sometimes we try to make these families, you know, let's just vote on everything. No, no, they need leadership. They need you to tell them no. They need that. I'll park here if you don't amen me a little better because that's good preaching, right? They need that. It's a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. It's not, hey, let's see how everybody feels because they will take you in the wrong direction. There's a reason you are the parent. There's a reason that you were first, okay? That you were born first. You have the experience of wisdom to give them. Our job is to parent them, not make everything a vote. Now, should there be voting sometimes? Sure. Okay, it shouldn't be a mean dictatorship where you know, you'll do everything. I think, I think kids need to have, especially if you have a strong-willed child, okay? If you have a strong-willed child, there should be some options because they have to practice their leadership and decision skills somewhere. There are times that there should be options. There are other times, if it's moral or ethical, no, the, the, your, it stops with you, yep. okay? You have to know where that balance is at because nobody wants to live in a home where there's a dictator. So I said that tongue in cheek, you know what I mean? Some of you grew up in homes where dad was angry, or mom was angry, and that, it, that, that, that's a bad way of parenting. But a but good way of parenting is, is you have rules and your rules are the rules, but you're also willing to bend here and there to say, okay, we have an option here. What should we do? Where do the kids actually have some inputs? Okay. There's a balance there. You got to get that. I want to make sure that's clear. There's a balance. It's not my way or the highway. Okay. And, and husbands, if you're like that, or ladies, if you're like that, that's, that's bad marriage. Okay. It's a both and thing. All right. But there are times that responsibility has to be taken as leaders. Okay. So again, don't, don't take me wrong on that. Now here's what I'm not wanting you to do. I'm not saying don't buy your kids gifts. That's not, what, that's not what this is about. What I'm saying is don't go into debt over it. If you don't have it, don't spend it, okay? Again, not everybody's gonna listen to me, I know that, but if you do, it will change your life. If you do it, set yourself up for future blessing, okay? The Bible is very clear that if you were faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. If you're unfaithful with little, you will be unfaithful with much. It's a habit thing, not an amount thing, okay? So we're, so we're, we're changing our habits, Again, if your kid offers to work, work for something, man, help them out, all right? I don't want my kids to feel, well, there may be a fear of looking like a bad parent again, but Pastor Stevie said it a couple weeks ago, comparison will kill you. You can't compare yourself with other parents or other families, okay? Um, so again, not the point of this message is to say it's wrong to bless your kids. I love giving gifts. It's, it's fun to me to give gifts, okay? I'm not a big receiver, but I love to give. I love to bless. Again, it's a lot of, it. there's something that happens when you give because God gave, Right? that, that put, God put that in us, that we feel blessed when we give. Uh, but like I said before, is most people don't have money problems, they have spending problems. Like the spending is the problem, not the amount. So not in every case. So I would ask you to do this. If you have a problem with some of the things I'm saying, that is look back at your bank statements, it'll tell you your story and habits. Okay, and you'll look back and go, okay, where did I spend money that I, that I didn't need to? Okay, you know, and again, if you have it, that's fine, if it's budgeted, but if it's not, because what you spent there might keep you from being able to buy gifts this, this Christmas. Okay? So next year, maybe you need to change it up a little bit. Again, um, consumer spending is buying something you don't need to live. Uh, many of you, again, weren't not taught good money management like I was. All right? You just didn't grow up in a home where you were told, hey, you need to save. In this. And so, again, I get to be dad. Um, I had one of my friends years back. He says, you know, you kind of like everybody's dad in the church. I don't want to be everybody's dad in the church, all right? Um, but if I have to be, I will. So if money's tight this year for Christmas, like I said, I repeated it, or we will repeat it, have a family meeting. What can we do to make it enjoyable? What can we do to make it better? Guys, we don't have a lot of money to spend, but what can we do? Here's the suggestion. Go to, to McDonald's, go to Taco Bell, wherever, go to, to Starbucks, whatever coffee shop, buy some gift cards, five bucks, okay? And give them to your kids and go to Ridley's or go, to, go someplace, go to a park, and say, go find somebody to give this to. Okay, go find some of You know, your kid's 10 years old. Go find some kid at the park and just say Merry Christmas and give them a gift card. I guarantee you, 20 years from now, they're gonna look back and say, I remember this one here. We didn't have all, we didn't have money, but, but my parents got us some gift cards and we went and we gave them out to people. They will remember that. They will remember that. Right. And I will not remember if you give me one of those cards. Um, <laughs> no, I'll just give it away. Okay. So it's the memories you make, not the gifts you give that will be remembered. Okay. 20 years from now, again, your kids will remember the memories, not necessarily the gifts, okay? We have so much these days, don't we, church? Our houses and our storage units. You know, storage units, it's like 85% in America are full. That tells me that there's still, you know, 15% more to fill up, so keep buying stuff. (laughs) No, it says we have too much stuff. That's what it says. Garages, you know, you know that... Should I say, (laughs) those of you who know me, know that my brain is spinning and I don't know if I should put it in gear. If your car could talk, would it say there is a bunch of stuff in that garage where I belong? (laughs) Don't answer that out loud for me, Uh, right? Because the garage is made for your car and there's small garage, I understand that. But there's a lot of times that we have garages full of stuff and that's really what the car should be in there, right? So here's how I wanna change this. What is in your life where Jesus should be? Is Jesus outside looking, saying, hey, I, you know, if I was in there, it's kinda of where I was supposed to be. Here's what I know about God. Because John 3, 16 says this, and because you didn't bring your Bible, you'll know exactly that I'm telling you the truth. For God felt so guilty about the world that he gave, that he gave his one and only son. Was God's gift to us guilt-driven or was it love-driven? Love. It was love-driven. Okay. It was, he didn't feel guilty about it. It was, it was because he loved us. That's why he gave his son to die for us. All right. As a parent, I don't want you to feel guilt-driven that you've got to buy your kids stuff that you can't afford. Okay? So I'm here to set you free. I'm here to, to give you permission to say no, to give you permission to say our budget won't allow it. So we can find an alternative to have a different Christmas, go be a blessing to somebody. So I promise you, giving will be what's remembered. Okay. It's not the getting, it's the giving It's remembered. So I, I want you to give yourself permission to be able to say, no, setting a budget does that. And again, this is biblical stuff. I could back everything up I'm saying today with, with Bible verses. Okay. Just about biblical giving, how to not feel guilt driven. I don't want to, I don't want God to give me a gift because he felt guilty about it. He gave it to me because he loved me. Right. Cause I was a dirty rotten sinner headed for hell and I needed saved. And so he gave, thank you. You can clap for that. Um, And and I'm thankful for that. So today, as we close, I want to ask you this question. uh, With Christmas coming up, what's Christmas about? It's not about the gifts. It's not about all that. It's really about Jesus came down to save me and he saved you. Like we had sin that we couldn't get rid of ourselves, just like this guy had a a problem. He was paralyzed. There was nothing they could do for him except God, except God. God was the only one that could do something. Even the healing at the pool, that was a God thing. You right? could get in, but it was still God that healed. So do you need healing today? Do you need to give your life to Jesus? Because I will tell you, heaven and hell are real places. That's the beauty of Christmas. Last year, I think I preached that. That was, was the beauty of Christmas is the reality of hell. Yeah. Welcome to Change Life Church. Uh, right. But it's true. When I can understand what God saved me from by giving his son, man, I should live thankful every day. Right? Just the fact that I get to go to heaven just because of what he did for me and I accepted it. That's huge. Okay. So I don't know where your life is today. I want to tell you, number one, God loves you so much. He loves you more than you can think, more than you can imagine. It doesn't matter what your past is. Okay? God knows your past. He knows every sin you've ever committed. And he still, not does he just love you. He likes you. He likes you. And if you have resisted him, if you've not given your life to him, okay, he's asking you today, give your life to me. Okay? I want to see you in heaven. Again, we can, and this is the reality, we can spend eternity in hell paying for our own sins, or we can give our sins to Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. That's a pretty good deal, Right? what we got for free. So if you just bow your heads with me just for a moment, because we need to deal with this question, all right? We can listen to the lesson and apply it, but if we are not on our way to heaven, okay, if we are not forgiven, what's the point? The most important thing today is that you're a Christian, that you are saved on your way to heaven. You didn't earn it, you can't earn it, you can't be good enough. All you can do is accept it. And so if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're, you're empty inside, there is something that's missing in you and you know it, you've tried to fill it up with a lot of things and, and just nothing fills it up. Well, it's that God-sized void that lives in you, okay? It's there and it can only be filled with him. Do you need to give your life to Christ today? And if so, if you want this forgiveness, if you would just lift your hand up, I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you in any way, but if that's you, I don't want you to leave this place not having made a decision. Do you need to give your life to Jesus today? Do you need forgiveness? And if so, just lift your hand up and, okay. All right, I see your hand. You can put it down anybody else. Okay, all right. And here's what I like to do online... And we pray this, this prayer as a family in support of, of the person uh, people that raised their hands today. So let's just pray this together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I believe that you died for my sins, died for sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, my life. Be my and Savior. be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome to the family. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to the family. That's awesome. That's what it's about. All right, well, hey, if you need a Bible or a new believer's book, if you raise your hand for salvation, we have, back in the information booth, Mary has some information. Uh, you'd be like, okay, I just became a Christian. What do I do now? Well, this little book will help you guide, help you, guide you through that decision. Um, best decision you'll ever make, amen? Because heaven and hell are in, I mean, that's, that's in the balance. But uh, all right, well, now that you're all traumatized, um, okay, here's what I want you to do. Uh, you're gonna be on the way home and you're gonna have these discussions. This is just the reality of it, spender, saver, Where's the balance? The balance is in the budget. That is a great title for a sermon. Um, The balance, Pastor Steve, the balance is in the budget. Remember that. Okay, that's good. He'll still make it better. All right? Got really quiet. If we're still online, sorry. Um, You guys can have a great afternoon.